0: Making a lot of money isn't always the answer to a secure future. The answer is how well you manage the money you make. Most people with average income can protect wife and family, guarantee their youngster's education, own their own home, and provide for comfortable retirement. How? The secret can be yours by consulting your local Equitable Society agent. In about 14 minutes, I'd like to tell you more about these helpful, friendly men who whose purpose it is to build financial protection for American families. Be sure to listen. Tonight, the subject of our FBI file, auto theft. It's titled, The Respectable Felon.
1: American engineering and production skills have made the automobile a commonplace possession. However, because of our defense effort, limits the number of cars manufactured, the demand exceeds the supply. When that situation exists, whether the article be a car, a food, or anything else, the criminal takes the opportunity to satisfy part of the demand. This evening's case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation describes the workings of one particular group of car thieves. A group whose operation was so unusual, it merited more than a full page of description in a recent issue of the FBI Law Enforcement Bulletin. Tonight's FBI file opens on a highway in a western state. It is late at night. A car weaves from lane to lane, passing to speed on one car on the right, the next on the left. This is the American male behind the wheel of his car, the man who knows about accidents. But accidents are things he reads about in the paper when they happen to someone else. Instead of starting on his trip a few minutes earlier, he is conceited enough about his driving to know he can pick up those few minutes by driving a little quicker than usual. A little quicker each time he gets away with it. For there are men who do get away with it until the law of averages catches up to them, as it did to the man in this car. Later that night, at a garage near the scene of the crash, State Trooper Hornell is examining the wrecked car when his superior, Captain Belmont, approaches.
2: Is all that's left?
3: Yes, Captain. How many people were in it? Just the driver. He was still alive when I pulled him out, but he died in the ambulance.
2: Hmm. Any identification on him? No.
3: I sent the license plate number to the Motor Vehicle Bureau, but they may not be able to help us. How come? Well, this must have been a stolen car. After I wired motor vehicles, I found that a new motor number had been stamped in. You checked the number against our stolen car sheet? It's not listed. Here's a new number.
2: Uh Uh-huh. How about the original motor number?
3: Too mutilated to read.
2: I have that section removed and sent to the FBI laboratory. Maybe they can help. All right. In the meantime, I'll get a copy of the dead man's fingerprints and try to find out who he was.
4: Oh, that's right. Special Agent Taylor, FBI. Oh, nice to know you, Taylor. Thank you, Captain. I've got a report here from our laboratory on those motor numbers you sent in. The original numbers were on record in our files. Yeah. There's a chance this ties in with a ring that we've been trying to crack for some time.
3: Oh? Pardon me, Captain. Yes, now. I got an identification on the dead man. His name was Leo Murray. Did
2: you find out anything about him?
3: He lived just outside of Decatur. He was married and had a good job at the Decatur Bank.
4: Would you know where he got the car?
3: No. The Decatur police went to Murray's house for us, but his widow's been under a doctor's care since the accident. Uh The doctor said we could question her tomorrow morning. The
4: Decatur police tell you anything about Murray?
3: Well, he had no record, and his accounts at the bank were even to the penny. Mm,
2: Doesn't sound much like a member of a stolen car ring.
4: No, but I think we ought to talk to Mrs. Murray anyway.
2: Well, I'm afraid Hornell and I'd be tied up all morning. You mind handling the interview alone?
4: No, not at all, Captain. Mrs. Murray, where did your husband get the car he was driving in?
5: He bought it. Mm-hmm. When? Last month. Why do you want to know?
4: Well, the car was stolen two months ago.
5: Oh.
4: From whom did Mr. Murray buy it? Oh,
5: I-, I don't remember the man's name.
4: Was it from a private party?
5: Yes. Uh, there was an ad in the paper. Uh-huh.
4: I wonder if I could see your husband's canceled
5: check. Well, he-, he paid cash. The man said he needed the money right away, and that's why he sold the car so cheap.
4: I see. Well, what did this man look like?
5: Well... Uh... I never saw him, but he he met Leo downtown. Hmm.
4: Your husband have any suspicion that the car might have been stolen?
5: Oh, no. Why do you ask?
4: Because of the way he drove on the night of the accident. A state trooper chased him quite away at top speed.
5: Oh, that was partly my fault.
4: Oh? Well,
5: he had to be in San Francisco on business that next morning, and instead of leaving right after the bank closed, he came home and had dinner with me.
4: How did Mr. Murray contact the man who sold him the car?
5: Uh... Let me see. Well, he had to write to some box number at the paper. There must be a copy. Leo always made a carbon. Where did he file them? In the den. I'll, I'll try to find it for you.
1: Mrs. Murray located a copy of the letter. Agent Taylor made a note of the box number, then proceeded to the newspaper office. The box had been given up. Agent Taylor interviewed the clerk who had taken the ad. She remembered the man who had placed it.
4: Does this drawing look like him?
1: The clerk shook her head. No, it didn't resemble the man. The one who had placed the ad had red hair, was tall, broad-shouldered, well-dressed. Seemed to be in his middle forties. No, he wasn't a regular customer. No, he hadn't been in since the previous month. No, he paid for the ad in cash. Every question seemed to produce the same answer. Then Agent Taylor interviewed another clerk who broke the log jab and allowed the investigation to continue.
4: Captain, we got a break the newspaper office.
1: Yes, I know.
2: I got your message about the man with the red hair.
4: You check his description against your files?
2: Yeah. He has no record with us. None of my men recognized
4: him. Well, I found another clerk after I'd called in. She also remembered the redhead. Gave me the name of another man to whom he sold a car.
2: For somebody besides Murray?
4: Yeah, and the second man confirmed the description. Captain, I don't know if this is the same ring I've been working on, but it's definitely a mass operation.
2: Well, who's the other car buyer?
4: A doctor in Decatur. I examined his car. I found this new motor number stamped on it. Oh, mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, I've checked on both purchases. Neither one had any idea they were buying a stolen car.
2: Hey, did the doctor have transfer papers on his car? Yeah.
4: Well, they've got the seller's name and address on the back. Yeah, I know, but the redhead used the name John Smith, and the address turned out to be the post office. Oh, uh-huh. Well,
2: I'll check this motor number against our list. All right.
4: Oh, I've already wired it onto my office.
2: I'm sure this will turn out to be a stolen car, too, but suppose it is. How will that help us find the
4: redhead? Well, when I called my office, I asked them to teletype the new motor numbers on both cars to our Detroit field office. What for? Well, if we can trace each motor number from the time it left the factory, we might find out how the redhead got them. <laughs>
1: There are FBI field offices in every part of the country. Each is available when an investigation demands their help. In this case, the Detroit field office submitted the motor numbers to the factory. The following morning, they reported that one of the cars had been delivered to a sales agency in Chicago, the other to an agency in San Diego. Those field officers were requested to follow up. A few days later, Agent Taylor returned to see Captain Belmont.
4: Captain, I've got a report on that first stolen car. Yeah. It was bought from a sales agency in Chicago by a young soldier. He was transferred to Denver, took the car with him. When he got shipping orders for overseas, he sold the car to a used car lot. In Denver? Yeah. Our field office there checked the lots operated by legitimate people. Mm. Their records show the car was sold to a man from Fresno, and three months ago was repossessed. And taken back to Denver? No, the finance company sold it to a lot in Oak City. I'm getting a little close to home now. Well, that's run by a legitimate businessman, too, though. Oh, I see. A Mrs. Wilson was the next owner. She had the car about a month, and it caught fire. burned so completely, the insurance company declared the remains a total loss. Hmm. The insurance company disposed of the wreck to a junk dealer in Oak City named Parker.
2: Parker? I don't think I know him. Well, the Oak City police give Parker
4: a clean bill of health.
2: But if everybody who owned the car was legitimate and it wound up on a junk heap, how did the redhead
4: come by it? Well, that's the board we've got to find out. Taylor. Oh, yes, no?
3: Teletype coming in for you.
4: Thanks. Excuse me, Kevin. It's from your office. Thanks very much. That's oh, the report on the second car. Mm-hmm. Quite a few owners. So I see. Hey, this car was wrecked and declared a total loss by the insurance company, too.
3: The same company?
4: No. But look at that next line. mm
6: mm-hmm.
4: A wreck was sold to the same junk dealer in Oak City.
0: return in just a moment to tonight's exciting case from the official files of your FBI. Right now, I'd like to ask you a question. Are you betting against yourself? If your wife, your family, your home, your health, and your old age are not protected, then you are gambling against unnecessary odds. And the first thing to do is get acquainted with a man who can help protect you best, your equitable society agent. Here's what Mr. Paul Warden, a member of the Equitable Society, has to tell you about his experience. Mr. Warden, how did you get to know your Equitable agent?
2: Why, through this program, Mr. Keating. You see, I was worried about the future, about what would happen to me. And I didn't know just what to do about it until I heard about planned life insurance over this program.
0: And then what did you do? Well, I called my local
2: Equitable Society representative.
0: What kind of man was he, Mr. Warden? He was friendly, sincere, and helpful. He discussed
2: my problems and answered all my questions, frankly and fully. The upshot was I joined Equitable, and ever since, I've enjoyed financial peace of mind.
0: I think you'll find that's typical of what Equitable representatives are doing everywhere. They are ready, willing, and able to give you the benefit of their wide experience and training in life insurance. They know how to fit the right life insurance plan to every individual money problem. They know how to protect you and your loved ones, no matter what. Every equitable agent is a specialist, a professional man, highly trained. And back of him and back of you is a staff of trained experts in the Equitable Society home office. Technicians, actuaries, economists. So please remember this. Stop betting against yourself. Protect yourself, your family, your children. Enjoy peace of mind. Get acquainted anytime, anywhere, and with no obligation to you with a friendly, helpful man who knows the answers consult your local telephone directory for the name of your local Equitable Life Assurance Society representative. You'll be glad you did. And now back to tonight's FBI file, The Respectable Felon.
1: The latest issue of your FBI's Uniform Crime Report shows how widespread auto theft has become. No section of the country is immune, and unfortunately, citizens in every part of the nation are equally guilty of aiding both professional and amateur car thieves through sheer carelessness. In some cases, the car was stolen when people parked and not only left keys in the ignition, but obligingly left the motor running. A few cities have had to go so far as to make it a crime to leave keys in an unattended car, And even that drastic move has not entirely eradicated the offense. Last year, the value of stolen automobiles rose to more than $95 million. If you drive a car, you can help prevent these from duplicating that figure in 1952. When you park, remove the keys and shut off the motor. Then lock the car. Tonight's file continues at Parker's Junkyard in Oak City.
4: Parker, that's right. Parker, I'm a Special Agent of the FBI. Here are my credentials. Oh, what can I do for you? Well, I'd like to find out something about a couple of wrecked cars you bought. Yeah, let's get out of the noise. How many wrecks do you handle?
7: Oh, all I can get. Top grade scrap. Here, go ahead. Thanks.
4: Yeah, yeah that's a little better. Sparger, you keep records of the motor numbers. Yeah. Which ones were you interested in? Please. Well,
7: yeah, just a minute. Four three four nine seven. Now sing out if you see it before I do. All right. Four three four nine seven six two yeah, one. That's it. Well, I had that one. I sold it. To whom? Yeah. See, uh, George Griffin. What's that other number? All uh, right. Here. Uh, nine, seven,
4: nine,
7: seven, nine. Here. Here we are. Nine, seven, three, four, four, eight, two, two, one. Huh. Sold that one to George Griffin, too.
4: You know Griffin?
7: Oh, so, so. He's, he's only been in a couple of times.
4: Hey, but any chance, uh,
7: would he have red hair? Mm, no. What can you tell me about him? Well, he, uh, he come in a couple of months ago looking for Rex. He had a list of what he wanted. and Like, say, uh, Three Chevys, two Fords, four Cadillacs, three Olds, a couple of Pontiacs. Mm -hmm. I remember he bought 21 altogether. They say why he wanted wrecks of those specific cars? You get so many crazy orders every day in this business, I never asked him. He come with a truck? No, he picked out what he wanted, paid spot cash. Said he'd send a truck around that afternoon. Mm -hmm. Well, the truck was in and out the next couple of days, picking up a few things each trip. You have uh, Griffin's address there? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, George Griffin, 93 Broadway. Fine, thanks very much.
4: Have a chair,
8: Mr. Taylor. Make yourself comfortable.
4: Thank you, Mr. Griffin. Like a cigar? No, thanks. I wonder if you'd mind answering a few questions, Not at all. I understand you bought quite a few wrecked cars a couple of months ago.
8: Wrecked cars? Yeah,
4: from a junkyard named Parker's.
8: Oh, yes, that's right. I make so many deals, it's hard to remember all of them. These cigars are made special for me. sure you won't change your mind? No,
4: thanks. Uh, What did you want those wrecks for?
8: I must have sold them to somebody.
4: Mr. Griffin, what business are you in?
8: Just what it says on the door, brokerage. Without men like me, the wheels of commerce couldn't turn.
4: Uh, What do you deal in?
8: Anything. I suppose you wanted, uh, oh, 50 tons of Brazilian coffee, and you didn't have the dollars, but you did have enough Swiss watches to cover the deal. Yeah. Well, I'd find somebody with coffee who wanted watches, get a commission from each side, and make everybody happy. Say, maybe you'd like a drink. Oh, it's a business call, Mr. Griffin. Well, a man might as well enjoy his business. If he doesn't, he ought to change.
4: Can you tell me who you sold those wrecked cars to?
8: I was afraid you'd ask me that. Afraid? While we were talking, I remembered what happened on that deal. A stranger walked in off the street and offered me a 20% bonus if I could find him certain wrecked cars within 24 hours.
4: Uh, who was this stranger?
8: Uh, he did tell me his name. For the life of me, I can't recall it. I see. He paid cash in advance, waited here while I went out and shopped to fill his order, then he left. And whose truck picked up the
4: wrecks? His. Uh, where can I find this man?
8: I have no idea.
4: Is that the first time he did business with you? First and last. Mm-hmm. And what does he look like? I really don't
8: remember him too well.
4: Or tell me, would you know where the truck delivered those wrecks?
8: Well, if I knew that, I could probably tell you where to find the man. Why do you ask about him? I'm not at liberty to discuss that.
4: Don't tell me he's mixed up in something shady. Well, I don't know, Mr. Griffin. But I'm sure going to keep trying to find out.
2: Captain, did you get my message? Yes, Taylor, and we've got quite a file on Griffin. What's his record? He's been arrested six times on suspicion of everything from black market
4: operations during the war to hijack. How many convictions?
2: None. Closest he came to jail was a two-year
4: suspended sentence. <laughs> if he's that slick, he must have held me pretty cheap. Why? story he told me today wouldn't have fooled a six-year-old. What they're obviously doing is stealing cars first, then buying wrecks of the same make so they can use a clean motor number. Some of the cars are stolen in other states. Mm-hmm. You know, for an operation that size, they'd need a pretty big place to work on those cars. Oh, where's Griffin been arrested?
2: Always in an office. Well, no lead there. Excuse me. Sure. Gavin Belmont.
7: Is Agent Taylor there?
2: Just a minute. For you.
7: Oh, thanks.
4: Taylor speaking. This is Bill
7: Parker at the Oak City Junkyard.
4: Sure, Mr. Parker.
7: One of my men just told me Griffin was here. When? Yesterday. He had another list, but this time we couldn't fill it. Is he coming back? No, I understand he seemed to be in a hurry to get the stuff.
4: Mm Do you know what was on the list?
7: Yeah, three Packards, one Chrysler, two Buicks, and five
4: Cadillacs. Cadillacs. Anything else? No. All right, Mr. Parker, thank you very much for calling. Griffin was at Parker's junkyard looking for these wrecks. Mm, Pretty brazen. Well, he went there yesterday before I interviewed him. He didn't get what he needed. He seemed to be in a hurry to have the order filled.
2: There are quite a few other junkyards in Oak City. Let's check all of them.
1: It seems a simple matter to decide to check every junkyard in a particular area, but the various steps take time. First, a list was made by Agent Taylor and Captain Belmont. Then each yard was called. A few made the same report that Parker had. Griffin had been in the day before, but hadn't obtained what he wanted. Finally, one yard reported that Griffin had been in on the previous day and had made a purchase. They also reported Griffin's truck had been in and had just left.
4: Captain, when Griffin's truck was here, it was parked in that corner. Let's look around over there, huh? Right. The owner identified the truck and told me the driver had company. Our friend, the redhead. Hey. That ties Griffin and the redhead together.
2: He fill his whole order? No, not quite. And then we better cover the
4: other yard. Oh, I called now He'll finish checking the list for us. Good. Uh, Griffin's truck must have hit that wall pretty hard. Why? Well, the owner told me that chunk there was knocked out of the wall by the truck.
2: hmm He didn't happen to make a note of the license number, did he?
4: No, but he added a few details to what Parker told us. Truck's a 10-ton Cleveland special.
2: Yeah, big job. Yeah. Well, if this wasn't gravel, we'd have gotten some tire tracks. Wait
4: a minute. Look, there's a heel print. Hmm?
2: Where? A lump of clay there.
4: Yeah. Nice clean one. Yeah, but every shoe store in town sells this brand. Well, let's keep looking. Hey, Captain? Yeah? You notice there's quite a few of these lumps of clay around here, but they're only in this corner of the yard. Say, that's right. They must have been knocked off the truck when it backed into
2: the wall. Yeah, it could be. Hey, they're fresh all right. You can feel the dampness. It hasn't rained here Uh, for days.
4: You check the uh, weather bureau and get a list of the places in this area that have had rain? Oh, sure. Why? I'll pick up a few of these lumps and send them on to the laboratory. (laughs) Here's your message. Oh, thanks. Laboratory reports earth samples contain metal shavings, emery dust, ferns, pine needles, and large amounts coarse clay similar in general structure to samples, samples previously obtained from areas surrounding Mount Paxton.
2: Yeah, Paxton's one of the places it rained yesterday.
3: Captain, I just heard from a junk dealer in Decatur. And
2: Griffin buying there, too?
3: Yes, and his truck left the yard five minutes ago. Order roadblocks on all highways. Any word yet?
2: Yeah, just came in. Why? Uh, Not so fine. What? A gas station on Route 9 reported a truck stopped there to fill up ten minutes ago.
4: Route 9, well, that's beyond the roadblocks, isn't it?
2: Yes, must have gone through before we got set up.
3: Captain, the truck was just seen again. Yeah, where? On the ridge route near Mount Paxton.
4: Can we set up a block on that road?
2: Yes, but they might turn off the ridge route in half a dozen places.
4: All right, let's get cars and do some patrolling ourselves. (laughs)
6: Nothing
4: on road three. No trucks over here either. Parnell, how about the back road?
6: No traffic at all.
4: Hey, I just spotted something. Where? Dirt road across the ravine. Can I get my glasses on it?
6: Can you pick it up?
4: That's behind some trees. Coming into the clear now. It's a truck. Griffin's? I'm not sure yet. Yeah, it's Griffin's truck. We'll cut over there and meet you. Buck, turn down that dirt road, Captain.
2: Yeah, it leads to Floyd Mason's farm.
4: Oh, who's this Mason? An old farmer who died last year. Well, and Griffin must have taken it over. Well, come on, Captain. Let's go take a look around. Right. When Hornell sees our cars parked here, I guess you will know where we've gone, huh? Oh,
2: sure, sure.
4: These woods give the place great cover, don't they? Yeah. You couldn't have found a much better
2: hideout. You've been out here before? Oh, once or twice. There's a clearing around this bend. Across the clearing is the barn.
4: Hey, that's quite a barn.
2: And Griffin's added to it. Oh? It wasn't that big. And it used to have windows.
4: Well, one of those doors is partly open.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could make it to that clump of trees we might be able to see inside. Well, let's take a chance and run for it. Right. Right.
4: come on. Man. Let's hold it here. All right. Now, look, there's the truck. Mm-hmm. Not unloaded yet. Look in there, will you? Hmm? Complete paint shop, the settling torch? Yeah.
2: We can only see part of it. Oh. Want me to go back to the car and call for more men?
4: Yeah, that's a good idea. key okay. Hey, hold it. Come here. Door is Doors opening. Look, at somebody coming out. Two, three, four, five men.
2: Well, there's the redhead.
4: How? Oh. Oh, Griffin, though. No. Yeah, and the door's opening again. There's Griffin. All right, Captain, let's take them.
1: George Griffin and his accomplices were found guilty and sentenced to substantial terms in the federal penitentiary. And so Special Agent Taylor, in cooperation with two members of the state police, was able to apprehend not only the leader of the stolen car ring, but also the other members. As you heard, the vital clue to the whereabouts of the ring's hideout came from the FBI laboratory when the lump of red clay was analyzed by the petrography section. Throughout the laboratory, work is going on even as you hear this broadcast. Work on other important investigations. In many of those cases, as it did in this one, the laboratory will give a special agent in the field the piece of information he needs, For scientific knowledge in the hands of the technicians at the FBI laboratory, has come to be an important part of the never-ending fight against crime, the relentless battle of the Federal Bureau of Investigation to protect the property, lives, and freedom of you, the American people.
0: Today and every day in the year, scores of Americans sign their personal declaration of independence from money worries. These are the heads of families who join the equitable society. If you too want protection for your wife and family, if you want to assure your children's education, if you want to enjoy a comfortable and independent old age, get acquainted with the man who knows best how to help you. No matter where you live and without obligation, consult your local telephone directory for the name of your local representative of the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. Next week, we will
1: dramatize another case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Its subject, escape. Its title, the three-a-day fugitive.
0: Others in the cast were May Clark, Whitfield Connor, Sam Edwards, Bill Johnstone, and Steve Pendleton. This is your FBI, a Jerry Divine production, was directed by Sid Goodwin. This is Larry Keating speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. And inviting you to tune in again next week at this same time when the Equitable Life Assurance Society will bring you another thrilling transcribed story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The Three-A-Day Fugitive on This Is Your FBI. Stay tuned for the adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. There's fun for the whole family when Ozzie and Harriet...